upper yeah welcome back to the regional drug podcast <laughs> my name's jake and with me is Evan. we're just kidding this is the handsome hockey podcast you got us you sneaky devils how could you have what made you think we were talking about drugs yeah why why would we be named we the would, regional drug podcast we wouldn't dare to talk about drugs <laughs> oh, oh, oh. it's it always makes me laugh that like dare was better at selling drugs than, drugs than any that yeah than anything else like this like it's like oh you you know this like thing that society's at war with let's just give you the menu <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever heard of crack cocaine no let me tell you about yeah, it yeah. that's the other thing it's like what we had like fifth grade right and we hadn't heard of this shit i have now and not only that they like they sort of made it look amazing yeah like the one thing i will give my like ridiculous health class experience one credit and they made smokeless tobacco look awful yeah oh and i think it was also like some advertising people but they like had a good like snuff campaign and like okay that was one (laughs) you sold me never gonna do that one yeah we're good can we go back to can we go back to the part about cocaine? That was I want to learn more about how awful it is. Yeah, right. It sounds terrible. I used to be very proud of smoking weed in my dare shirt. Yeah. Cuz you were super cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I had a cool dare shirt. Uh unfortunately got to be I think too big at one point and I don't know. I, I've always kind of wanted it back like in a smaller version. I uh, I had no shoulders mm. uh, well into college and had and weighed like 140 pounds. Curious how you still had arms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they're, they're actually attached to my ribs and I had to have them moved when I grew shoulders. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's dope. They wow. were like, they're like, Jake, I think it's time. Modern just, medicine. Just, is just think about so how good. much better at hockey you're going to be. Turns out not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, those Shoulders penalties were not what's holding me back. Those penalties that you couldn't take in soccer. Now you take all the time. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Handballs. Never a problem before. Cause yeah. didn't have hands. Don't ask me to throw it in though. <laughs> Ball goes out of bounds. I'm going the other way. <laughs> uh, we are actually here to talk about hockey. Um, as, silly as it may sound yeah um, through a circuitous route we're just taking the taking the scenic route taking the long the way there vladimir tarasenko took his long way out of town yeah it only took him like two and a half years after right. <laughs> requesting a trade to actually get traded yeah uh props to him for helping make it happen i mean he was a consummate professional in the whole thing he performed and i mean it was one of those things where it's like oh yeah you perform your way out of town well he did it. Good for him. Made it happen. Fuck St. Louis. <laughs> and uh, reunites him with his bestie, Artemi Panarin. The bread man. Uh, yeah. They've already been baking. They, uh, I, I think. They Art- turned them into pigs? No, baking. Sorry. 
Uh, I think uh, uh, Artemi. We pronounce our G's on this podcast, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Otherwise, one of us, not naming names, Jake, is going to get confused. <laughs> um, yeah. I believe Artemi Panarin assisted Vlad's first goal. I believe so as well, yes. Right. So, Sernvaf, uh, yeah, served him up a nice loaf. Um, that sounds like a scatological reference. It does. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, I'm keeping it in. Going to New York along with Cherisenko was defenseman Nico Mikola. Uh, yeah, it, which actually I didn't really, I don't pay a lot of attention to St. Louis because to watch them means to watch Jordan Bennington and <laughs> I can't allow myself to do that. Really? You can't like turn on the fucking just freight train of awful express and and just like hate watch jordan bennington if i need to see antics like that i can go to a junior high you could turn on tucker carlson Ooh, but he has a bow tie so it makes him professional um just put jordan bennington in a bow tie (laughs) you'd be like god he looks like a respectable gentleman all of a sudden (laughs) He's like still swatting at people with his goalie stick. He could be a senator. Throwing water bottles at Nazem Kadri. And you're like, (laughs) Uh, why does nobody respect white men anymore? (laughs) It's like him and Jordan Peterson just shaking dongs at each other. (laughs) Uh, St. Louis got Sammy Blay back again. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They were like, we don't want you. Okay. Just kidding. They, traded him for above market value if i remember correctly yeah and they're getting him back with zero value whatsoever because he was a always injured or not performing in new york right and you know he's probably living it up knowing that he was heading back to st louis yeah they also got uh the cousin to our hunter gatherer forefathers hunter skinner (laughs) Uh, they also get a conditional first rounder, which I think the condition is that New York decides which one of their picks to give to their first round picks to give to St. Louis around draft time. It's okay. I'm still over here laughing at your hunter gatherer joke. I I was pretty, that was very good. Uh, impressed. I was happy with it. Uh, they also get a 2024 fourth. Uh, I personally, I think, uh, this is a big win for St. Louis, especially, if they can resign Tarasenko, even if they can't, it honestly is kind of a win because you're going for it, right? You're you're a relative contender. You've had kind of a rocky season, but you've got a lot of talent. You add somebody of Tarasenko's caliber, which actually was uh, in a much needed position. They're very left side heavy, so oh, they exactly. add a right wing. Your options were popularly speculated as tarasenko or like the obviously injured and ineffective this year patrick kane yeah you made the right decision (laughs) patrick kane uh however is sad which made most other people happy (laughs) yeah Uh, Uh, he said it wasn't my favorite trade in the world or something like that it was like kind of a fun bit and it was just kind of funny because then instantly half of hockey like writer dumb was like Oh, he expressed an emotion. Oh, man, we got to freak out. We got to stab him. And it's Real like, quick. no, actually. Caesar on the hills. <laughs> stab him. Can't have that. Can't have emotions in hockey. Right. And like what he said was like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, that, you know, cut off my trade uh, trade destination I liked. 
and it's also my home state. I might have to go to Dallas now. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Tyler he, Sagan. I'm sure he likes the uh, tax benefits in Dallas um, and has been attached therein by most accounts, yeah. but I don't like... I don't like GMs trading for injured players. Like the Nick Felino thing a couple of years ago was like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. And I think that this is that. Um, I don't think he's going to get traded, honestly. Right. And watch, he'll get traded by the end of this episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> cool, Jake. Wow, buzz, buzz on my butt. Uh, Patrick Kane traded to uh, our beer league team. Anaheim. That I would take. <laughs> yeah. I would just like, what what's our uh, tactic today uh get the puck to the guy <laughs> yeah that guy that, that does guy. the stuff and he's don't just care. yeah you, like remember that shit we bad shit we said about him yeah forget that yeah we're we're scoring goals now yeah <laughs> i'm a phobia am i right patrick <laughs> uh, um anyways uh that kind of brings us to the impending trade deadline, which is now uh, like two weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of trade deadline that makes uh, Alexander Gavrikov look like he's fucking Bobby Orr. <laughs> David Savard. Yeah, right. <laughs> David Savard 2.0. Uh, I do like Gavrikov's game. He's very limited offensively, but he's a hell of a shutdown defender. Yeah, he's useful. And, and yeah. you know... Uh, and Dallas already has uh, Yanni Hockenpah, my favorite. Yeah. So, you know, like these these gigantic shutdown defenders come at a premium this time of year. And I don't know. I It always seems sort of laughable that GMs take these kind of big swings at players that you should not overvalue. But what if he's the missing piece? <laughs> sure. What if this guy who can't score is our missing piece? Yeah. And speaking of people that have been spending the later years of their career in trade deadline limbo, uh, Jacob Chitron of the Arizona sell everything coyotes. They have a business model, man. It works. <laughs> yeah. They are open for business. It's what can we do to get to the cap floor? Mm-hmm. Who can we trade this while year? retaining every single draft pick in the upcoming yeah. drafts? And like they've needed to sell him for a long time, and now he's being held out for trade-related reasons, quote unquote. So one assumes that he's gonna be moved in the near future, but they never said held out pending trade. So like trade-related reasons could just be we're scared you're gonna get injured. Oh, that's entirely what it is. There's been a lot of rumors about L.A. being the trade partner there, um, but that seems to have cooled a little bit. Uh, Boston and Edmonton. Edmonton's linked to any defenseman with a pulse because, you know, their mm -hmm. defense sucks. <laughs> the, I mean, their defense is actually, if you look at the underlying numbers, pretty good, but they just don't have a game-changing kind of talent back there. And really, because they're paying Darnell Nurse north of nine million a year. Oh, you said Boston, not Edmonton. Edmonton. Oh yeah, I no. was I was still on Edmonton, but hey, you know what, bro? Let's let's go with uh, let's go with Boston. Boston's got Char Tolly, Charlie, he's and Brandon Carlo, and I think Charlie's a game breaking defenseman. I think so too. So I that was what yeah. was confusing me. I apparently heard Edmonton or Boston out of Edmonton. I don't know. They both end in O N, so T O N, so. You know, I, I got no jokes. Um, <laughs> no yokes. I, I died right there. <laughs> it was like, beep, and I'm back. 
just as, as we were saying, Edmonton is now linked to every defenseman who's possibly available, including Eric Carlson. Including Bobby Orr. They're like exhuming his body. He's still alive. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he's he's a Trumper. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I, I honestly don't see Eric Carlson going <laughs> to Edmonton. Like, there's no way they can fit another contract of that size on their team and be even remotely capable of keeping a team together yes you're right yeah uh, the question being i i think this is a supply side economics problem Can it's you- that this is only this is san jose's one chance to get rid of him for the next eighteen thousand years that he's under contract it's a really difficult trade to make happen it's such a difficult trade to make happen i don't know how you make it happen like what the fuck do you get back for him if anything, there are some people that are just like, yeah, if you could give Eric Carlson away for free, make that trade. Oh, man, it sucks that we didn't get anybody back for him. Uh, wait, we just got forty five fucking million dollars back for him. <laughs> we can sign two very good players <laughs> yeah. for what we just signed. Well, for what we get one good season from Eric Carlson. It would be amazing to see him on the Oilers. Like, I, I also think that's the other thing that everyone is talking about is just wanting to will this to happen to get an eric carlson next to a connor mcdavid like the, this kind of connor mcdavid's gonna play defense <laughs> he's become a much no. more responsible forward in his own end in the last leon's gonna play defense <laughs> well that, i mean okay that's another thing is who who plays who doesn't play defense for edmonton is probably tyson barry like they gotta get rid of him if they're gonna pick up Carlson and and Barry's been pretty good. You know, is there the like Darnell? If they got Eric Carlson, Darnell Nurse wouldn't even play on the power play, and you're paying him nine point two five million dollars a year. Yeah, okay, that's funny. That's like really his, funny. But also, his contract was aged like milk the second that it was signed. Yeah, so. milk in a bottle in the sun on a blacktop in Qatar. Like <laughs> that sucks because like I like him as a player and good for him to get paid oh but, yeah uh from a team building perspective and a full no move clause yeah sure not a good well, that's because right. that's because ken holland just gives out no move clauses like like they're candy we also have learned recently that uh, tyler bertuzzi is reportedly being shopped which uh, is not it's surprising, not surprising because he's kind of been like low-key shopped for a while right uh it's 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 not surprising because of where he's at he's a ufa he's been kind of on the trade block for i don't know three years supposedly <laughs> um at least according to the media but reportedly there were contract negotiations early in the year that did not go very far um both sides were kind of not happy with where they were at Mm. and so supposedly he's being shopped around honestly this is the best time to buy tyler bertuzzi i don't like him as a human but he's had a bad year so far um and he's been hurt so much he's a i mean he's a good player he's got a lot of potential he's got a lot of tape of that potential like on film so like a playoff player like Oh, absolutely. He, he has sandpaper. He has grit. Like, it's already baked into his game. He doesn't have to step it up in the playoffs yeah. because he is playoffs. Elliot Friedman called him a prick. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, the, uh, or sorry, it wasn't Elliot. It was Merrick. 
Mm. Well, he is a prick. I mean, get vaccinated, you dimbo. <laughs> but uh, apparently that pre- presents some difficulty to maybe if really you would, were to go to Canada. I don't think it really does at this point. I don't think Canada gives a shit. They're just like, you know what? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> What's what? What is COVID? <laughs> Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, just hanging out in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, just being sad that they're not going to New York. Apparently Jonathan Taves is like very much a candidate to be loved by Ken Holland. Like, <laughs> Yeah. The other thing is like, okay, does Pat Reddy's injury make them like a package deal to Carolina. Like that could be interesting. That's a lot of money. Even if you uh, take half of it, it's still $10 million. Chicago would have to retain, but they're mm. both expiring. So, you know, it's just this year. I kind of keep wondering about Vegas because they have in Mark Stone, like a kind of uh Kucherov Patrick Kane contract you know dude that's out you got to stash him in ltir but he's probably gonna come back for the playoffs mm-hmm. the thing is do they i mean patrick kane is injured and jonathan taves is not as effective as he used to be so i don't think either of them really want to get moved for like a third round pick i i'm intrigued to see this happen like i kind of want to see this happen but i'm not necessarily optimistic that it's gonna happen i think vegas showing their propensity for buying in the past is is going to be a, a buyer again just because of this window that they have and the contract situation that they have we're gonna we're gonna move to the juniors here uh specifically canadian juniors for a bit the first story is a little bit easier to digest so we'll and really just kind of stupid uh zachary lahiro uh i probably yeah, it could be Lero. Lero. Yeah, sure. I like Le Hero. It's like French for hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is he your hero? Are you Dave Grohling, this guy? No, he. No, he's my Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> I can be your hero. I can be your hero, baby. He was recently suspended for 10 games by the QMJHL for poking a fan with his stick as he left the ice after a game. Which is uh, hilarious. And just so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 10 games might sound like a lot, but this is the ninth time he's been suspended in less than three seasons spent in the QMJHL. Wow. Um, this is your first round pick there, Predators. You picked a doozy. I mean, he's not Mitchell Miller, right? So, like, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> we're talking plus one. We're talking minor sins here. Yeah. <laughs> not major sins. But, but he's. Also, Seems like a stupid douchebag. I don't know. I mean, tell me about these other suspensions. I don't know anything about them. The right. article as long was as just no- like as long as none of them are for like racial uh, epithets. Right. Or- as long as long as they are for all uh, on ice infractions, and you know, um, maybe give him a fucking free like Ron Artest if in there. Like, sure. Do you need to punch a fan once? Fine. Um, you know, as long as you're not like. F- Filming yourself getting a blowjob without consent or um, doing and something. And then sharing that to your friends. If it's all like suspensions for on ice infractions, I am of the like, oh, you ate the whole wheel of cheese and you pooped in the fridge? Well, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Talk about sandpaper in your veins. Zachary Lahiro, people's yeah. people's prospect. People's champ, Zachary Lahiro. He's like just sitting there holding a wheel of brie. Mm-hmm. Brie's a French cheese, right? It is. All right. Yeah. Hey, nailed it. 
this story not great um yeah martin leclerc uh writing uh for the cbc uh in french so i had to translate it detailed the outcomes of daniel carcillo and garrett taylor's lawsuit against the canadian hockey league for um just the rampant abuse that young players receive when entering the league so by outcome is this like something that came out in discovery or no, this is uh, the judge here released his findings. Okay. And recommended that and well, I'll get to that later, but this is like something like a 40 page report that. Yeah. I mean the, uh, the translation of the headline is chronic torture, rape and humiliation at an arena near you. Uh, Thankfully, we're in the United States, so it's... Yeah, like, that couldn't possibly never, happen here. Never. No, we only do that to our gymnasts. <laughs> um, this is... Uh, we're not going to detail any of the findings in this report, of, like the specific hazing events. It's fucking awful, though. Uh, like, And it's like, awful along the lines of exactly what Daniel Carcillo has been saying for... A decade plus now? Yeah. Like, this finding just reinforces that hockey culture in of itself is has a rotten core. And it can manifest itself negatively in, in many different ways. But uh, if you learn about Daniel Carcillo's career and his advocacy and uh, him as a person... Um, you learn about these types of abuses that he suffered and had to endure to get to the NHL, even as sort of a bit player. Um, and it's a testament to him and he stands as a testament to like, okay, we need to deal with this shit. We, we as hockey culture need to be responsible for what happens to prospects and need to figure out ways to protect them because it's ripe for abuse right now. Yeah. To me, the two biggest takeaways from this are one that hockey culture is just a like perverse deterioration of humanity. Like the, the, the things detailed in this report are horrific. Um, yeah if any one of these had happened to me, I would have immediately stopped playing hockey. Uh, cause it's not worth it. Um, that said, uh, to me, one of the biggest takeaways and perhaps the worst part of all of this is that the adults in the room are oftentimes in the room and are oftentimes condoning the behavior. Yeah. I think that's, a constant in you know what we've seen from the blackhawks what we've seen from you know all of these scandals in hockey is at some point there is somebody with power and responsibility that is not choosing to do their job in terms of shining a light on abuse and calling attention to abuse and preventing abuse and just like it's 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 awful in the NHL and those are adults. Right. And this cuz these are kids. 
Mm -hmm. These are young children. And we've all reacted so viscerally to the Kyle Beach saga. And this isn't to downplay what happened to Kyle Beach in any way, shape, or form. But these people, these victims are, in some cases, five, six years younger than Kyle Beach. Yeah, I, I think it reinforces that, in fact, just showing, okay, you know, both the perpetrators exist in hockey, but also the culture of silence exists in hockey yeah. that allows these types of things to go on, you know, too long in the shadows before then it becomes too risky for a lot of people to bring it to light. And so that's one of the reasons that a lot of these things, you know, only get uncovered years and years afterwards is because, yeah, people have their asses attached to these stories and these outcomes and also their careers. And well, they choose their career and their livelihood over exposing the truth and exposing things that would, you know, bring a measure of justice to what they're doing, but also probably like send people they know to jail. Yeah. And bring a measure of heat upon them themselves. Exactly. You know, when did you know, how did you know it? Like those types of secrets have sunk how many sports programs now? I mean, Penn state, you know, there's this story will keep, playing itself out and like a wildfire until, until there's some sort of systemic change and some sort of accountability systems in place until adults act like fucking adults. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, well, the more we learn about adults is that we learn that, Oh, we're children and that high school never ends. Yeah. Apparently and, adulthood is just, it's like, it's a faux thing. Like, <laughs> right. It, it's like, most of y'all's fur coats. It's faux. Mm. It's fake. Um, the judge in this case has actually dismissed the class action lawsuit, which uh, the judge's reasoning is that this will allow individual players to go after the compensation that they are due. But many Canadian legal experts have kind of poo-pooed this effort and said, like, well, you found all of this evidence why not just do the lawsuit and, or go proceed with a lawsuit? And so it's, it's, I think it's part of the definition of a class is that you have like a similar basis, you know, like the Aaron Brockovich, you know, you're all victims of one corporation, but in the same way kind of thing. I think that's more what a class action lawsuit is meant to set up. Um, it's yeah it's absolutely one of the ways that these types of organizations fight these things is to help break up these lawsuits into individual ones that they can fight as opposed to a class like that that's that's a defensive tactic and and yeah the reason that it's being poo-pooed is because well the defensive tactic is working um are there cases thematically within a class maybe not but are they all perpetrated more or less along the same lines and because of the same organizational failures yeah so there's probably more of a class there than not 
this report has cases of abuse at 38 of the 60 teams in the CHL. Feels right. Uh, As we're learning from hockey culture, especially in Canada, that might feel low. Yeah, sure. But like, it feels substantive in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It's more than half, right? Like that's, that's a lot of fucking teams. And so if hopefully Carcillo and Taylor and all of these other victims who came forward are going to be able to find a way to get whatever measure of justice they can, whether that's financial payments, whether that's, you know, just the knowledge publicly that certain people have done them wrong, whatever that is, whatever yeah, or sanctions like, against those people, yeah, whatever justice looks like to them. That's what we're hoping for. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here and speak as to what justice is for a person when we are not in their shoes. But um, this is, it's, it's, really fucking awful and uh i'm really glad that we're going to talk about fun things next ukrainian boys hockey team 18 11 and 12 year olds 18 of them not that, that, that's a weird age discrepancy for one club hockey team right <laughs> yeah got like, 11 and 12 year olds that was how and you, the 18 year olds are on that so they can buy booze that was that's how you stacked uh, like 14 and under roster is you had the kid that that was me who had the super late birthday. And so somehow got away with playing in 14 and under for an extra year. This shit happened in uh women's high school basketball. Did you hear about this? No, it's like a 22 year old coach. Uh, Oh, decided yeah. to like assume someone's identity and play in a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I did. See <laughs> and that. Uh, I was like, Bad form, but that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like the one of the last seasons of Evening Shade where uh, Burt Reynolds gets his star, his star quarterback and they find out that he's like 23. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dominican Republic pitcher. Uh, oh, yeah. What was his name? Danny something. Yeah. Actually, you're 28 years old. Yeah. <laughs> An accountant. Where's his birth certificate? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, <laughs> apart from the jokes about this, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Ukraine, obviously, in the throes of a war that never should have fucking happened, um, has the ability to send kids, hockey players, to Canada to play a game, and like, I don't know the the. It's symbolic, but one of those things where, like, yes, it's symbolic, but the importance can't be outsized, right? It, I just watched with my mom the movie about the Syrian swimmers uh, mm-hmm. in the Olympics. Yeah, the movie's just called The Swimmers. And sports has the ability to bring us together in times of conflict. And this is one of those things where it's like, all right, you know, these handful of kids got to have maybe one of the more normal hockey tournaments of the last five, six years for them since, I mean, their country has been invaded. Uh, when did the Donbass first get invaded? Is it 2014? 
eight years, nine years yeah. now. Yeah, they see conflict in their country. That's no doubt affected their hockey playing. That they can put a team together and get over to Canada is, is very cool. And, you know, I, I'm very pro Ukraine in this conflict. I feel badly for what has happened to the Russian hockey players because I feel like it's generally not something that they condoned. So, you know, it, a lot of people give Ovechkin shit and other Russian hockey players shit for being too close to power for their own good. But like, well, Ovechkin especially like has put himself in that position. Sure. But he put uh, himself in that position before there was an invasion on the table. And I mean, yes. While it, was it while Putin was like poisoning every, Opponent he could find, (laughs) sure, yeah, and then Uh, eventually he ran out of opponents. He's like, "Well, I really like poisoning people, so I think I'm just going to keep it up." He hasn't gotten to Panarin yet. That was actually why I traded Panarin in fantasy. (laughs) And then I too much of a liability. I picked up Kaprizov. Whoops. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that was the uh, big reason I traded Sveshnikov. Is I had too many Russians on my team. So here you are playing czarist politics with your fantasy hockey team. Yeah. <laughs> like which, oh, which one of these forwards is least likely to end up like shot in an underground bunker. We think about these Ukrainian kids and the fact that we have to surprise that we have to talk in with reverence and awe in the fact that they were able to make a hockey tournament. And that's all because of the, failure of officials to make the right decisions and you know not invade ukraine um there's also the failure of uh former nhl officials uh tim peel and this is this is happening close to home as well yeah so paul stewart who is a u.s born member of the hockey hall of fame one of the few the proud the americans um are we proud? You know, of the amount of Americans in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yeah, we can be proud I think of that. if like, I, It's like, I think if I'm an American in the Hockey Hall of Fame, I'm proud of that accomplishment. Yeah. That's what oh, I'm trying to say. It's like you, Pat LaFontaine, and Smoke. <laughs> Ninja Dust. Like Madonna and probably Patrick Kane soon. But he's the only American to be both a player and a ref in the NHL in the hockey hall of fame and uh, the first American to ref a thousand NHL games. Um, And he relays to us some pretty awful stories, uh, some allegations reports that were handed to him in a position of leadership around officials uh, levy some pretty serious allegations of what I would consider abusive officials. Um, in this case, two incidents relate to him, one involving officials that were like high school aged, one involving officials that were college aged. And the um, the kids that were officiating high school aged officiating other high schoolers um, were apparently berated by only until now named in proxy, mostly um, the 
former kind of decorated NHL ref that thanks to a hot, hot mic was um, cast asunder, shall we say. Um, he, he berated these referees after a game as a parent, which is like, if there's one reason that referees quit, that's it. It's being berated by other refs. Yeah. I mean, other refs, you know, there are other refs that will give you constructive criticism. There are other refs that will give you not constructive criticism. So detailed in Paul's narratives on his blog and these reports that he's read are pretty serious allegations of abuse, pretty serious allegations of abuse by former NHL referee and also a current NHL coach while coaching, spectating, advising, whatever you want to call it with their kids. The former NHL official whose name rhymes with Shim Heel. Um, it's Tim Peel. <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty easy to deduce that it, is him um, from the reports from what is said. And it's pretty easy to deduce that it's him from like knowing the kind of official he was and the things he said and the things that he was caught on a hot mic saying. And so what he's accused of doing is like barricading a couple of high school referees in the ref room while he berates them verbally. And one has a sense that if it was any other parent, if it was any other person involved with these ho- hockey teams, like they would be persona non grata. They would be cut, you know, lifetime ban. Well, because of his position, because of his ability to say what he said to these players, including, uh, I'm quoted, I'm I'm quoting the the players. Do you know who I am? Which is seems to be a, a through line in like, all of these. Types you're the of guy situations. who fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're the guy who got caught uh, saying the quiet part out loud. Like you're the Republican that talked about defunding voting. <laughs> um. Because of his position as a former NHL referee, uh, he received a 30-day suspension from youth hockey coaching, even though he's not a coach. Uh, He received a two-year ban from entering officials' dressing rooms for any reason. Why? Why? Why does that need to be a ban? Yeah, it was like, Like, that's not a fucking... You're not supposed to do that. (laughs) And, I mean, if you are him... Up until this point, sure, why not? You know, if you have a interest in mentorship, in making an appearance, growing the game, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want to hear about anybody in hockey doing any mentoring until we get this all this bullshit eradicated <laughs> from the game. Okay. Well, if uh, any other hockey Besides referee, Wayne Simmons. <laughs> he can do all the mentoring he wants. Okay. If Wes McCauley wants to go in and talk to some refs, Have he's at it. right. 
he's going to be given the latitude to do so. And he's going to talk to those refs very slowly, but intently, about making calls in a very theatrical fashion. Uh, as opposed to this fucking douchebag who goes in berates kids for calls they made in his kids game. Like, this just, it's another hockey culture thing in that we are willing to, in many cases, overlook the sins of our fathers and how people that are ostensibly above us are fundamentally dysfunctioning um, because they've quote unquote earned something like Tim Peel was made to retire in a hurry under extreme duress because it may have not been terribly fair to him because he showed his whole ass. Did he? I mean, what he was accused of saying, I mean, sorry, what he said, I was going to say what he, what he said, heard it. Sorry. What he said and what he is accused of doing according to what he said is something that every hockey player knows that every official does and every hockey rink right on the planet right, earth. That's why I'm which saying is called game management. Yeah. And so it's like, it's kind of, but that's why I'm saying he showed his whole ass because right. like before you only get like side ass or like partial ass because some, you some know un- it's happening. Maybe some underbutt. Yeah. You know it's happening. Oh, underbutt, right? Yeah, like spring in Portland. Yeah. You know it's happening when the underbutt and the underboob come yeah. out. But he was like, you know what? Just I'm going to spread this for you. Like, <laughs> Look at my chocolate starfish and my hot dog Taste flavored my water. Hot dog flavored water. Yeah, because it, it's absolutely like he's the one who showed showed his whole ass, and now every other official is like, "Oh fuck." Well, and you know that if he wasn't the personality that he was, somebody probably would have gone to bat for him in ways that they didn't. Yeah, um, he was not an uncontroversial ref before this. They're like, wait, we can get rid of Tim Peel. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like when it was his nuts that a puck went in off of behind Roberto Luongo, our favorite Italian businessman, everybody cheered. <laughs> so like, you know, it was like, wait, is he hurt? Yeah. All right. So nonetheless, after this type of conduct, this heretofore unnamed referee is appealing this decision to the state authority. Um, because yeah, when people act badly, they apparently know no shame and can't just take a veritable slap on the wrist. They need to escape consequences completely, which is because I'm a big, strong man and I'm important. Yeah, that's exactly it. That that is exactly what I'm getting at. It's like, okay, no, I'd need to have the power to completely escape these allegations. Like if if this guy were to come out and say like I misbehaved and I 
am sorry for treating these refs these way, this way. Like I shouldn't have done this. I would have a whole lot more respect than if they were to say, no, I shouldn't be suspended for acting like this because do you know who I am? Like that's, that's the recurring bullshit theme here is this, you know, NHL does not mean you are the end all and be all of hockey. There's a whole lot of hockey that goes on that has nothing to do with the NHL and for a good fucking reason. And so we need to approach sports with less of a thought that elite means right. Might does not necessarily mean right. Right. Uh, So, you know, just because, and that's like, that's one of the underlying issues that we always have in these scandals when they come back and forth and back and forth is like this sort of assumption that, oh, you're a professional blankety blank. You know everything. And that's never true. Whether it's, you know, people, the adults running the QMJHL or the supposed adults running the Portland Thorns and Timbers or, you know, the the adults in the room that allowed the Kyle Beach scandal to happen. It's this sort of elite attitude that, oh, everyone else is better off not knowing the truth. That always gets people in trouble. You made a good point there about uh, the elites not always knowing everything and not mm-hmm. knowing what to do. Uh, well, Travis Hamanick is an NHL player. And he apparently doesn't know that you shouldn't cross check Zach Hyman into your own goalie. Yeah, that was a very dumb play. Yeah. Amongst the dumber I've seen in recent memory. Uh, like if you want to injure your goalie, let's just cross check a defender immediately at them. If you want to injure, injure your goalie, just do it yourself. Like <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so Travis Hamanick in a game against Edmonton earlier this week or late last week, uh, there's a scrum in front of the net. And, you know, during those scrums, you generally have, uh, like, there's a couple cross checks, a couple of blows here and there to kind of yeah, assert right. your position in that scrum and make sure that, you know, the puck doesn't go in your net or yeah, you some, get the puck some, in their net. Some um, face washing and some mean, mean mugging. Yeah. And some, like, you know, balls on the chin. And then, never mind. That's <laughs> the shower. Um, but so, uh, Travis Hamanick, uh, third pairing defenseman for the Ottawa Senators, cross checked Zach Hyman right on top of Anton Forsberg. And as the melee continues, the puck get, makes its way to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and the net's wide open, which in a scrum is usually not how this works. Ryan Nugent Hopkins puts the puck away, 6-3 lead. Edmonton ends up going on to win. Um, the reason the net's wide open is because Anton Forsberg tore both of his MCLs. He's down in a vulnerable position. Zach Hyman, through no fault of his own, lands on top of him. And apparently, like that was like the force of somebody just taken a serrated knife to the back Anton Forsberg's knees because they're they're done for the season. Yeah, he kind of got done by the mob a little bit, didn't he? Uh, curious to me that 
There's uh, lots of hot, sweaty bodies, some tearing of some things, and it's not a hymen. I mean, Zach Hyman. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, the, yeah, the hymen didn't tear. One of the worst things that you can do as a defenseman is like, not necessarily like truck your own goalie or make up own goal. It's to make that offensive player truck your goalie. Like that's, if there's a thing that you like can't penalize that injures goalies, it's that. It's like, well, I can't, uh, yeah, it, it was your own defenseman, dude, that <laughs> made this other guy fly into you. Like, what are you going to, what am I going to do about that? And, um, so puts refs in awkward positions, like, yeah, for sure. Badgering other referees in their own referee room. Well, and it's like, you always catch shit from the goalie and you know, the goalie's like, well, where's the protect call? me. And it's like, that was your own dude. <laughs> That if, put that punted this other guy into you. If like, a goalie I'm sorry. said that to me, and this is why I'm not a ref, I'd be like, okay, and then I'd call a penalty on his defender. <laughs> Just piss him I off mean, even more. Not Take ent- that, Dave. Not entirely unheard of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the amount of shit that goalies have to deal with is uh, enormous. It sucks that this happened and and Anton Forsberg who was having a pretty good season up to this point yeah. and probably looking like the future of that Ottawa Senators goal crease or at least a part of it um it has to deal with yet you know, another two, injury yeah right and a, a doozy of an injury for a goaltender the good news is that MCLs aren't ACLs yes uh they heal faster yeah, I saw a report that he might not be done for the season. I was like, man, just shut him down. Right. You have nothing to play for. You are nowhere near the playoffs, Ottawa. Uh, you need to sell Alex Brinkett and shut some people down. Ottawa's not selling. They're going to resign him. Which, I mean, okay. Yeah, good player, but sell his ass <laughs> right now. Like, I don't know. Imagine Alex Brinkett on Vegas. The last thing we're going to talk about today is a bit of a happy story that is preceded by a sad story, and that is the year that is Jacob Verana. It could be a like a human interest film. We might have a redemption. I think we've got a redemption arc coming. Here. Oh, we've had a redemption arc queued up from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he's he's already he was already sort of like a redemption player. Yes. And then now he's got like a full full on like lifetime movie level of arc going so jacob verana uh did not has not had a great year he played in the first two games of the season um played well had a goal and assist and then disappeared and he disappeared because he went into the nhl slash nhlpa player assistance program and we are not going to speculate at all uh, what that was about because it's unfair to Jacob. If he wants to tell people then he can, um, he, he went away from the team for several months, came back for about a week. And then the Red Wings sent him down to Grand Rapids for a conditioning stint. And that went really poorly for a bit. And the Red Wings waived him on January 3rd. Uh, Dude who, uh, by the numbers, 
if he played enough, would be one of the more prolific scorers in the NHL. Like his goals per 60 is like something like fifth or sixth highest in the league over the last five years. Yeah. He's crazy productive when he yeah, can stay on the ice. He's got one of the best releases I've ever seen. And like, we're all about to see Connor Bedard's release in the NHL, which is just fucking stupid. <laughs> but, uh, Verona's is way up there. One of the best I've ever seen. And he's a goal scoring artiste. Yeah. Um, and so he got waived and nobody picked him up. No, no team that actually needs a Jacob Verana has $5.25 million in cap space. Yeah. There's some, there was some supposition about some collusion like activities like, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman doesn't need to collude. Well, like, Nobody was willing to call Steve Eiserman on his bet, basically. Yeah. You know, it, like yeah, he did the same thing with Alex, uh, Alexander like a week later. Right. You know, contrast with what happened with Jasperi Kakniami. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes your bet gets called, uh, relatively infrequently in the NHL. Like GMs love to be pat each other on the back and like, Oh yeah. Good plan, buddy. Good plan. Yeah. Yeah. And it, very, very infrequently you get somebody who's like, I'm going to snipe your Jacob Rana. Uh, Can you believe if somebody had done that to Steve Eiserman? He would have like what sort of warlock, which mag- magic he would have possessed. Like you don't make him stronger. What He's if it, terrifying? How amazing would have been if it was like Chicago? And then, like, we get or like, get that thing back in motion. Uh, you know, I think the hate towards Chicago is pretty universal at this point. So, sure. I'm not uh, even saying that as, like, a fan. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> let's reignite an old rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, uh, I mean, what Chicago's done with their roster over the last 24 months makes no fucking sense, so... Uh, I won't even pretend to try and... Hey, we have the basis of a good young roster and two aging stars. I know. Let's keep the two aging stars. And get rid of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and then sign this uh, uh, deadbeat defenseman as our 1D. Woo! Anyways, so uh, Verona then, after being waived and not claimed, went on a bit of a tear. Uh, a bit. A, a bit. Like, yeah, a bit. <laughs> a lot of a tear. He's been playing really great uh him and uh elmer soderblom have have really had a great time together down there in grand rapids and there was all this talk and chatter about like oh when are the wings going to call him up when are the wings going to call him up to the point where i have acquired and waived jacob verona like six times in the (laughs) last two months um just waiting for the time when he gets called up uh waiting for verona uh he actually might be this year's uh champion of most times dropped and uh reactivated anyways mr godot verona so he uh as of today or as of yesterday was called back up to the red wings they're on a west coast road trip Uh, he didn't play tonight um against edmonton but he uh he's he's back with the team he there was a an article in the athletic by max boltman the other day uh talking about where verona is at and verona is like there have been no discussions there's been no talk there's been nothing i'm just here playing hockey 
rediscovering my joy and, you know, rediscovering my form. And then like three days later, he gets called back up. And so uh, Max Boltman is a champion of the people for helping uh, this wonderful person, Jacob Verona, get called back up to the Red Wings. Hmm. Um, But on the other, like the odyssey that has been Jacob Verona's year it needs to have a happy ending. Yeah. It, it and, and it sort of looks like that's they're trending towards that. I mean, yeah, he's not going to play tonight. They play Calgary in like three days or uh, Saturday or something like that. Um, hopefully he's in the lineup that night. And, you know, I, I've always liked Jacob Veron as a player, um, as a forward who doesn't try that hard on defense he's always been like one of my favorites uh i i I get his vibe i'm openly rooting for mr verana to find his way back into the nhl and he's undeniably talented and so the fact that he is back up where he rightfully belongs and honestly has earned the call up is is great to see and so i just wanted to say you know as a red wings fan as a jacob verana fan this is fucking rad and mm-hmm. happy to see it. And with that, our time here has come to an end. We are perplexed as to why you are listening to us, but thank you just the same. Look at us putting an episode out one week after we put out another episode. I know. Look at us go. I, I'm worried about us, actually. Like, this is too much work. Our sicko score is going up. Yes. Yeah. Our Corsi, however, in the toilet. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we are just still, you know, two years in flabbergasted that people take time out of their lives to uh, throw us on while they're like cutting the lawn or cooking dinner or uh, pretending to care about their kids, like whatever it is you're doing while listening to us. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. And it seems like maybe a stretch to ask you for more time than you're already taking, but uh, we would love to hear from you. So uh, if you want to, Find us and contact us on the interwebs. We are on those Bill Gates interweb thingies at uh, handsomehockey.com, Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter, and at the Handsome Hockey Pod at gmail.com or at our Facebook page, Handsome Hockey. And before Evan can say it, we're never getting a TikTok. Too bad. I think we already have one. You son of a bitch. Yeah, but like there's alcohol, so um, I'm not sure if I actually made it or not. Oh. You maybe not son of a bitch. I'm just going to make it a mystery now. Oh, okay. Well, if it's out there, I don't know about it. I, I, I have good in, like ideas for reels and actual like videos, but uh, the question is, do I have fucking time to film them? <laughs> No. <sighs> We're busy. Soon. Someday soon. Someday, someday, Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, this episode will be out before then. Hopefully. Thank you everybody for listening and for listening to us blather on about stuff that we think is important and hopefully you think is important too. Stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau to Le Monde.